Dietz and Watson's been making meats and cheeses the right way since forever. What's that mean? It means never cutting corners, ever. It means cooking, not processing. It means our Virginia brand ham that's cooked to perfection, then twice baked to layer the flavors. It takes more time, but you can taste the difference. We come to work every day to do it the right way, even if it's the hard way. Because if it's not right for us, it's not right for you. Dietz and Watson, it's a family thing since 1939. Reese's peanut butter cups are the greatest, but let me play devil's advocate here. Let's see. So, no, that's a good thing. Uh, <laughs> that's definitely not a problem. Uh, Reese's, you did it. You stumped this charming devil. All right, welcome on to our second awards pod of the season here in the beginning of January. It's been a weird month, to be sure, since the last time that we did this, but we're still going to bring you the awards anyway. We do that on a monthly basis. So yeah, I how did you, did the weirdness of this last month affect your process at all here? I don't think it necessarily affected my process. The idea of how you go through it is is pretty much the same. But one of the things that it shifted, which I think is somewhat useful for the way that I do, let's say, all NBA anyway, is... I generally go if you've played enough, if you played enough games, you qualify. And then it's about how good you were, not about how much you played. Because some of these guys, like Jimmy Butler, for example, like he's been out for a while, but I, I consider more what he did when he was when he was available. And the other part of it, and this will be a natural segue into the MVP discussion, is an important part of value is being available. And while it is fair to argue that some of these absences were anomalous and that they were different, honestly, that doesn't matter. Like it's not a predictive thing. It's just how much how much were you available? How much did you help your team? And so what you're we're not saying in these awards, I think player X is going to win award X. You're saying that if the season ended today, player X would be my pick for award X. Yeah, I also found myself really struggling to differentiate in all NBA in a few positions and I unfortunately had to kind of fall back on minutes as a tiebreaker. But let's get right into it here. Who is your MVP as of today, January 2nd, 2022? At the outset, I will say that this is the top four for me in MVP are extremely close, especially when you factor in, in certain cases, you factor in the time played where I think some of the guys that have been a little better played a little less and so on and so forth. And that said to me, the player who has been, I would say he's been the best overall, but also has played the most minutes, which values and that's Stephen Curry and Curry ridiculously efficient on offense, the engine, just like so many of these guys are and 61% true shooting 30 three usage also you know huge role as an as a passer and then I don't give Curry like there's only so much credit you can give him for being the system and creating buckets even when he's not getting assists because you run yourself into a logic trap there it's like well why is he getting credit when other guys aren't and there is something special there but the Warriors won 15.8 cleaning the glass offensive rating when he's been on the floor and while he does not provide as much defensive value as some of my MVP candidates he is not a negative defender and he has been a part of the league's best defense so he's not getting dinged for that in the way that some guys have been in previous years. Also, Curry has played 1147 minutes so far and nobody else has played more than Durant's 1076 of anybody that had. So that's, you know, that's full games that he's played more than anybody else has. So for me, Curry was a little bit separate than everybody else. Two through four is incredibly close, but Curry's my one. Yeah, and obviously just the fact that he's had the luck, which is essentially what it is at this point, to sure. not get COVID, given how prevalent it's been and the transmissibility of uh, the Omicron variant, that he's had the luck to not get COVID, whereas other guys uh, haven't. 
that plays in here a little bit that's probably a little bit unfair i'm trying not to focus on that too much but he has only missed two games this year and they've both been in planned rest situations so not only does he have the minutes but he has uh, the games played as well and certainly i think on a per minute basis there's a statistical argument that Nikola Jokic, Giannis Antetokounmpo, and Kevin Durant have been better than Stephen Curry. I do think that for the Warriors being as good as they've been with him on the floor, with the relative paucity of other playmakers and high-level scorers that they have, it is extremely impressive. I, I think he, he or Jokic, to me, at least in terms of the regular season, are probably the two guys who are above everyone else in terms of just their offensive impact, although that could change, certainly, by the end of the season season and stuff certainly right up there in many of the impact metrics we use estimated plus minus from dunks and threes and Steph Curry is second in the NBA behind Nikola Jokic plus 6.5 in offensive EPM he does bring some value on the defensive end as well I don't put as much stock onto a lot of the defensive impact metrics as I do the offensive impact metrics they just have a lot more to work with on the offensive end and they also a lot of times defensively don't match up with the eye test as well and so if it's not matching up with the eye test I generally tend to discount it Uh, and and we'll talk more about that uh, I'm sure with Jokic uh, as well but even though Jokic is well ahead of Curry overall EPM because he has a higher defensive mark he's slightly higher on offense Curry's still highest in the NBA due to the superior playing time with 8.9 estimated wins per dunks and threes now the other advanced metrics that I'm using some of our old staples are no longer available like rpm and i couldn't find an rapm that had populated as of yet this season and you're a little still dicey to use that particular stat when you're only this far into the season even a one season rapm is pretty noisy but in looking at overall raptor curry or i shouldn't say overall offensive raptor curry is third behind trey young and nikola Jokic, and Jokic has crazy high numbers on defense in raptor uh which gives him a much higher overall total i again i think Jokic has been by far the best center that denver has defensively and i think he's been a positive defensively this year so i think that does add some value in the regular season he's gotten better as a defender so you know i i would say if you're trying to build a winning team it's tough to say would you rather have Jokic or curry defensively i probably would rather have curry so that i could then play a even better defensive player like a Kevon Looney with him but again that's a we've talked about that whole thing many times so I do have Steph number one um but was it like really really close to you for the other guys yes insanely close and I so we can go through I think the arguments for the next three guys and and kind of work through it so for me Jokic has been the second you know first or second most valuable offensive player so far and even though you and I are a little bit skeptical of how much some of the defensive metrics like Jokic, he has definitely made improvements and he plays the highest leverage defensive position. So you have all that. And I mean, his role within there, within the Nuggets offense is incredible. And also Jokic has more heavy lifting to do than a lot of these guys because his team has been so limited by injury. I mean, the team's second best offensive player has missed the entire season. And a lot of the other guys are more dependent talents. He often plays with a nominal point guard, but they're they're not nearly as good at creating as, as, as Jokic. And like, for example, like Aaron Gordon, like Aaron Gordon's game works and Gordon's having the most efficient year of his career because of 
Jokic. And so uh, there is a lot of there is a lot of value there. Durant, remarkably efficient individual scorer, 62% true shooting, despite low by his standards. Like he's at his career average, 38% on threes. And that's because Durant's making 57% of his twos, 58% of his long twos, which is just gobsmacking. Yeah. And Durant's defensive value is, you know, it's it's a little bit nebulous. The Jet the Nets have been successful. And it was interesting. I I wondered because of his individual defensive rebounding stuff whether that was going to be something, but um actually the Nets have been way better defensive rebounding when Durant's on the fourth and off. That's something I may dig into in a future 1560. It was just something I found interesting. And then with Giannis, it's actually somewhat of a you could call it a traditional case where he's a two-way player. He is one of the league's best and most valuable defenders, and he is a very important offense player. And I think Giannis's playmaking, his passing, is an important part of that. Like he's averaging roughly nine assists per hundred possessions. That is actually more than everybody but Jokic that we we're talking about in the MVP conversation. So he's scoring at about the same rate. He's getting to the line way more than those guys. So I'm not saying he's as good of an offensive player because I don't believe that he is. But the argument for him in many ways is that he is a much better defender and he is close on us. Yeah, so Giannis third in the NBA in estimated wins. He's third in EPM as well. Defense, some of the defensive metrics have fallen off for Giannis. He was uh, right up at the top for a while, but now he's actually 24th in defensive EPM and 12th in defensive Raptor. He still is number two in defensive field goal percentage at the rim, although he doesn't actually challenge that many shots compared to some of the guys at the top of that particular statistic. So he hasn't had as much of an effect on the Bucks defense. Their defense hasn't been quite as good with him on the floor recently also worth noting that kd i think when we last did this he was 66 percent true shooting now he's at 62 also missed time of course in health and safety protocols Jokic, he was had after a month and a half had a 35 pr that actually is all the way down to 32 now still leading the nba Giannis is second in that stat but worth noting that his efficiency has gone down particularly his three-point shooting he's down at 35 percent for three he's around 40 percent i think when we looked at this last one so it is starting to take a toll and also as the league-wide efficiency rise as his and Katie's fall that makes them a little bit less valuable on, on offense so yeah I still think it's split in hairs between all these guys ultimately I would go with Steph Curry as well as number one who is your number two Giannis yeah and Giannis has played fewer minutes than Durant he's played more than Jokic roughly a game more than Jokic and roughly two three games less than Durant but the defensive role to me is what pushes Giannis over KD and then I would say I would say that and I, I had Giannis number two as well I think ultimately the other tiebreaker I come to when it's really splitting hairs statistically which I think it it is with all these guys is just who do I think is better? I think Giannis is just better than Jokic. Yeah, I agree. And I, I also think it's more likely that Giannis's, you know, defense, like the Jokic's defense is over, like the EPM and all that are overstating his impact. Yes. Like if we're, if we're going to calibrate kind of on that and do that. And then Durant Jokic was even more splitting hairs. But for me, once I settled the top two, it became easier to pick Durant over Jokic just because of the massive gulf in minutes played. Because yep. 1076 versus everything else is just, that's just too big a difference. 1076 versus 941 like that's we're talking about a serious number of games played so i i think that it is because it becomes at that point too large if i think they're that close as players then i probably should be picking durant for third even if i think Jokic has been better per minute this year which i think is is definitely a fair point to argue yeah so i i kd fourth i, I second most of what you're saying uh also worth noting too that that steph curry of all these players has the highest net rating he was at a 20 net rating when we did this last time but he's still at 15.7 and Giannis 
11.6 is the next of these guys still pretty incredible that Jokic is at a 10.2 net rating given who he plays with now I would a say lot that's of that more, to me that is the most impressive of the individual if we're citing individual net ratings Jokic's is the most to me given yeah, the context that, now a big part of that though is that Denver's defense is terrible whenever he's off the floor and a big part of that is just that they don't have a normal backup center uh, oh are you you're saying it's a plus 10 differential not that he they're plus 10 when he's on the floor no they are plus 10 yeah okay the, yeah, okay. the so differential I, I is right. like okay. is just even crazier sure. yeah yeah in, in, in fact i do have that he is number one in the nba in terms of differential between on off 24.1 points Oof. per 100 possessions better when he's on the floor than when he's off per cleaning the glasses and non-garbage time but uh they are 13.4 points per 100 better when he's on the floor defensively sure and that's something that i just don't doesn't add up to me as far as like that he is oh, that and, sort of an impact defender and one other point that i think is so telling for Jokic kd they played the same number of games it's just that Durant is playing an insane 37 minutes per game and yeah. no shame at Jokic at 32.4 so their absences have been different and you know that's that's a part of it but there it's it's a minute in some ways it's a minutes per game but that matters because that you know we've seen how disastrous the nuggets are when Jokic is on the floor no shame in playing 32 but if you can get 37 it helps yeah and so Steph Warriors are 20.8 points per 100 better when he's on the floor again 9.5 of that is defense right and so that's I don't give him a ton of credit for that either but still 11.3 points per 100 better on offense that actually is better than Jokic's number Jokic is their plus 10.7 better when he's on the floor offensively and so just some context there but my number five player I think last time we thought it was at the top five was just so obvious Jimmy Butler I think was both our number fives he is now been supplanted by the man having the best age 37 season of all time lebron james we are in firm agreement here lebron i mean despite the lakers disappointing i guess you could say run so far lebron has been overall phenomenal and he had a slow start i mean i think i picked him for most disappointing player in the league a month ago and then he's been on absolute torrid streak the overall number is 29 points seven and a half rebounds six and a half assists per game 63 percent true shooting is yeah, roughly that's, that's more efficient than kevin durant by the way yeah yeah i mean he's fractions of fractions better in, in true shooting part of that is because lebron is shooting they're basically shooting the same percentage on threes this year and durant is taking more per 100 possession it's truly truly incredible and i'm sorry lebron's saying more per 100 possessions um and he's right around in, in terms of minutes per game he's actually around in line he's played fewer games and like i, I his defensive impact is is complicated I and mean, he's definitely worse than Giannis, some of the other guys so like lebron has earned his way in this conversation he's uh another stat on that he's third in offensive epm which is really impressive when you consider yeah. that he you know they brought in another point guard and all the other things to, to make life easier on him and that like anthony davis has had a worse season than we expect and so the he's had to do more and he didn't in the beginning of the season but now he is it just hasn't been quite enough every game yeah and as you mentioned I mean, pretty insane the minutes that both he and KD uh, are playing at their ages granted that both of them uh, have missed some time part of the other problem is that neither of those teams ever blow anybody out so they don't they don't ever get to sit so LeBron I think it is important to keep in mind the context number one this whole last month has been weird I almost don't want to now he, for him though he missed time due to injury in the beginning and he's had to play some with centers on the floor but what's really been turbocharging his numbers is him playing center himself part of the reason he has to do that is because they have russell westbrook on the team and also because their centers are terrible with ad out but it is easier for him to rack up plays as a play finisher rolling the basket as a cutter which he's awesome at but i'm sorry and the rebounds too yeah yeah so and playing him at center with 
especially the cast around them like that is hurting your defense like they are it is worth noting that they're playing some pretty offense focused lineups when he's at center so the context is a little bit differently he's not necessarily creating quite as much as he normally would some of the stuff that he's creating he's being set up very nicely by the way but by westbrook on a lot of pick and roll plays and stuff so he's getting more I, actually i'm interested to see what is his percentage of assisted baskets this year compared to you it is he is more assisted on twos and more assisted on threes than the last few years yeah so that's not surprising given who he's playing with and that's obviously valuable to finish plays but worth noting that he's not started so i, I do think that his individual statistics right now are overstating how much of an offensive force he, he has been because he's really has been operating more as a play finisher and you know his assist percentage this is his lowest percentage of assisted baskets basically since he got really good in cleveland this is the second lowest of his career still a pretty high number but not as high as it was so he's not quite passing as much but he's scoring more efficiently this would be the second highest true shooting i'm sorry third highest true shooting of his entire career yeah so so impressive uh was there anybody else that you seriously considered i thought this was another another segment where there wasn't a sixth guy that really pushed hard no butler I mean, he hasn't been playing any worse. He just hasn't played much. He's only at 700 minutes, which is well below here. So if I had to give out a sixth place, I don't know who it would be. But yeah, there's really nobody. I mean, Butler on a per play basis, I think, has still been the sixth best player. But that's he just hasn't played as much. So let's get into first team All-NBA. And we got the exact same problem that we had last time, where you've got the four guys that we had for MVP in the mix. But you can't credibly pick the fifth as a guard because no. Right. So well, so I would say we we do this in position groups. Do you want to start with the centers, the forwards, or the guards? I think let's start with forwards because that's probably the easiest in a lot of ways. Sure. So for me, I mean, I had it. I, I this is more most outstanding rather than most valuable as long as you have played at least half of your team's games. And so for me, Giannis and Durant have been more outstanding. They've been better than LeBron. So they're pretty yeah. clear first team for me. And then my second team is pretty clear too because here Jimmy Butler is not hurt by his absence as much as he is in the MVP conversation. So Butler to me has been better than the the guys that we'll talk about for for third team and beyond that theoretically. And then LeBron fits in pretty clearly here. So for me, Giannis Durant are team one, LeBron and Butler are team two. And do you agree? I do not agree. I have DeMar DeRozan ahead of Jimmy Butler. Is that more because I know you see you see this as the vo- the volume played is is more important for you than for me for all NBA. It, it is, but also I think DeRozan has been pretty close to Butler and then you throw in the clutch heroics that he's had, including being the first person to ever hit buzzer beaters on back-to-back nights. And they're both threes, by the way. I was watching both of Incredible. those games live when it happened. And I didn't think he could hit a more ridiculous one than the first one he hit against Indiana, but then he hit that one in the corner against the Wizards. So pretty incredible, but he also has just been awesome in the clutch all season. That could be a, a little bit of a tiebreaker. Um, I, for for you know, me, I just think, I think Jimmy's just been, I, he's been phenomenal for me so far this season. And while DeRozan has been great and he's dramatically exceeded my expectations, I just think Joe Butler's been the better player. Yeah, but. I think you could, you could get me to buy that Butler has been better and i have them four and five so this is you know this isn't too too dramatic a disagreement yeah i mean derozan has played almost 400 more minutes than jimmy Mm -hmm. totally fine so that's yeah and and we'll see where it's at again i i this was close enough that i was willing to go with the minutes if it were really just uh, uh, between the clutch and the minutes that pushed it up derozan ahead i think jimmy butler on a per play basis basis has been better this season he brings a lot of defensive value that derozan doesn't really derozan's avoiding 
avoid killing them, but he doesn't give them yeah. a ton there. So, and then my third team, Jimmy Butler, was an obvious one there. And then it's also really obvious to put Draymond Green on as the other forward. I didn't really think there was anyone else, particularly in, in great contention. It really this, drops off after that. It really does drop off. And I mean, the absence of Anthony Davis here is, is notable. He'll come up a couple times this, but yeah. I, yeah. I, I mean, pa- Paul George is the other one sure. uh, and yeah. Jason Tatum, but Paul George is 52, 53% true shooting. And then he's also, you know, he's basically missed the last month and he's also going to be out for longer too. Which, well, and and yeah. I don't love the, you know, there are some players who drive value in being a modest efficiency driver of offense on a mediocre offense. I, I just, I'm not going to reward that versus a player who is a distinct part of what makes a great team great. And yes, Draymond has less to do offensively, but he has a huge role defensively as I'm sure we'll talk about soon enough. Yeah, absolutely. So so that was pretty easy. I guess our, our only disagreement there is you have DeRozan on third team. I have Butler on. Man, it is crazy to think that I've been working with Helix Sleep since 2015. And I think that's because my story with them seems to really resonate with listeners. If you've never heard it before, that was kind of the beginning of the direct-to-consumer boom. And there was another very prominent mattress company at that time that was trying to convince you that mattresses were one-size-fits-all. They found the one formula, the one mattress that was going to work for everyone. My then-girlfriend, now-wife, and I ordered that mattress. We ended up having to return it because, hey, guess what? Not everyone is the same. And then she did some more research and found Helix Sleep. We took their sleep quiz and we found a mattress that actually worked for us and our body types. And uh, Helix offers 20 unique mattresses. Every sleeps differently. And Helix mattresses are designed for specific sleep positions and field preferences. Hot or cold, side sleeper, back sleeper. So take that Helix sleep quiz. Find your perfect mattress in under two minutes. And it's shipped straight to your door, free of charge. It's no risk because you really need to sleep on the mattress in your own home. You're like, well, how should I order this if I can't sleep? I'm like, yeah, you're not going to learn anything by going to the mattress store and sleeping on the mattress where do I take my shoes off? Do I leave my shoes on? But then my feet kind of hang off the bed because I don't want to put my shoes on the bed. And is it weird that I'm laying here for more than 30 seconds? You can't tell anything under those circumstances. You might as well just order it, get it sent to your house get that 100 night trial they're 10 to 15 year warranty depending on the model and there's never been a better time to try a helix sleep mattress because they are offering 20 percent off all mattress orders and two free pillows for our listeners at helixsleep.com slash capspace easier slash capspace we talk about all the time here on the program that's helixsleep.com slash capspace this is their best offer yet i can attest to that since i've been working with them for nine years and it won't last long with helix better sleep starts now don't forget that slash capspace url to let them know that you came from us man i just love american giant just an amazing clothing company i was reminded again of how much i love it when i drove from california to montana over the all-star break and you know what it's like when you're on a long road trip and it's cold particularly when it starts off warm in the bay and then we get into some really cold areas you're like well i don't want to wear like my jacket in the car but then i get out to fill gas I'm going to be freezing, but the American Giant hoodie was perfect because despite being made out of a nice heavy material that'll keep you warm, it's not too hot as well. So I was able to wear it in the car, not be too hot, step out of the car and still be warm enough when I was filling up gas or going into a restaurant or something that I didn't feel like I needed my jacket, even when it was cold outside. These things are amazingly durable. I proposed to my wife wearing an American Giant hoodie in the Grand Canyon almost seven years ago. I still own that same hoodie. I still wear it constantly. And American Giant has since 
spread out into all sorts uh, of other types of clothing like their premium slub crew tee the no bs high-rise pant the slim roughneck pant featured in giant magazine issue two every american giant piece is made in america and designed to last no exceptions and it provides year-round comfort so find a closet staple for every part of your spring days at american-giant.com and get 20 percent off your first order when you use that finger code capspace at checkout you remember we talk about capspace all the time here on the program that's 20 off your first order at american-giant.com don't forget that cap space code to let them know you came from us third team let's do centers now yeah Jokic first team there isn't really an argument now there have been years no. where i've liked you know the, this was the mb Jokic, Jokic mb thing last year but i think Jokic has been straight up better so Jokic's first team then to me there are three guys in serious contention for the last two spots rudy gobert joel Embiid, carl anthony towns and towns has still been awesome offensively you know the the argument there is not particularly weaker than it was before but minnesota's defense has taken a step back some of that is due to the players that they've had unavailable you know due to they got hit really hard by the protocols and everything else but also like i i think that part of a big part of what a center does is most important defensively is or what a center does is is defense and gobert has been unambiguously better i think of Embiid as being more talented in that front as well so i ended up with talents as the odd man out and beat it to gobert three. i went with gobert too he's just so good and he he is top five in the nba minutes played second among centers in raptor uh, a lot of that is on defense where he's a crazy plus 7.6 and beat is plus 3.1 in that and beats defense to me has not been nearly as impactful this year as in past years i also just think that Embiid, while he's come on lately he's missed some time due to injuries he, he missed time obviously due to covid earlier in the year and, and seemed to have not had a great case but he's come on lately but he's still shooting under 50 percent from two and which is a real concern yeah and the sixers offense just hasn't really been that great on either end and i don't know that his supporting cast offensively is like that or i should their offense hasn't been that great either the sixers haven't been that great on either and the shooting has kind of fallen off by some of these support guys lately and he's he's had to do more and if he puts it together another month like he's been playing lately he may surpass gobert but i legitimately couldn't tell you right now who's been more valuable on a per play basis and gobert has 350 more minutes than Embiid does yeah. so I, I was I was really torn on it too for me Embiid versus Gobert was a tougher decision than either versus Towns yeah and I think Embiid to me is just better than Towns overall if I ultimately had to say is Embiid or Gobert better I would say Embiid but Embiid is performance level just has fluctuated more throughout the year due to injuries and conditioning and unfortunately illness so I do have Embiid third team though Towns just hasn't he's it's interesting the impact metrics do not particularly agree on him Carl Anthony Towns is 36th among centers in Raptor that's among centers not players centers but then if you look at estimated plus minus offensively Carl Anthony Towns is ninth in the whole NBA and then he's pretty much considered a neutral on defense I think he's clearly a negative on defense much more so than Jokic uh, who's not a negative in the regular season he's done very well to get to that point so I think I had to go with Embiid Towns 
has played about 230 more minutes than Embiid, but I think Embiid is just a, in another class. And then also, if you're using it as a tiebreaker, Embiid has been way better over previous seasons also. So I, I maybe Towns could get into this. We'll see how Embiid plays the rest of the way. Uh, I didn't really have any other serious candidates, though, did you? No, EPM loves Jared Allen, but I didn't see him in this same conversation. And I, there, there isn't anybody else who was there. So we can move to the guards. And a big picture thing that was weird for me with guards, I brought this up a month ago, and it's still true is that typically the guard All-NBA spots are tough because so many guys are making good cases. This time, I think it was difficult as it was last time because there isn't enough separation. You know, that the guys aren't separating in a positive way. So it was, you know, like Lillard having a down year and a couple other guys. So it made it, I think it made it a little bit harder. But that difficulty did not start with the first team for me. Stephen Curry, no-brainer, MVP, arguably per minute. I mean, per minute is a tougher thing, but he's, he's there. And then the other guy is Trey Young. Number one in offensive Raptor, number three in offensive EPM, number two in the NBA in terms of his offensive on-off in terms of their offensive rating when he's on the floor versus off. Would you care to guess who the number one player in the NBA is per cleaning the glass in that statistic? Oof. Wait, can you repeat it just briefly? It's who has the biggest offensive on-off differential. Trey Young is number two in the NBA. They are 15.8 points per 100 better offensively when he's on the floor. I don't know. He is a small guard. He was part of a sign-in trade Devontae? this last offseason. Devontae Graham is the answer. Very good. Yeah, because I mean, part of it's that those some of those other units have been just abject disaster. That's right. Yeah, they are, are plus 16.6 better per 100 possessions with Devontae Graham uh, on the floor of the Pelicans are. So yeah, I went with Trey also. I didn't find it quite as easy. And in fact, I think if John Morant hadn't missed time, I might have actually considered him. But I, unlike you, I felt like this was harder because all these guys are so close and it's really just eye of the polder to try to differentiate them i think a lot of these guys are coming on i don't yeah, think it's actually as bad well they're coming on was. now but like overall yeah. for the season like there aren't these you know like there aren't these guys that are just popping like really efficient and driving driving offense in the same way that my top three four guys are yeah so trey now obviously his defense will come up i still maintain that yes his defense is a problem but guard defense is only so bad and hey guess what other than chris paul no None of these guys are any good at this. And it's more of a postseason problem than a regular season problem, honestly. Like it's it's not he's not killing the Hawks defense right now. So I yeah. think And they've also they've had a ton of absences also as usual. And I should I to be clear, I think Steph Curry is pretty good on defense for what his role is too. But other than Steph and Chris Paul, I don't think you can point to any of these guys as clear positives. Some are obviously more negative than others. Sure. So all right, so we're in, in agreement on the first team. I have a feeling we're gonna di- diverge from each other here on the second. Mine is Ja Morant and James Harden. Yeah, we are going to. Ja, I had to just leave him out due to the missed time. Okay, he, and, he had played enough for me. So you play more than half your team's game, so I'm fine with that. Yeah, and I think on a per-play basis, I would agree with you. I just need it. It was just close enough with all these other guys. And I also do think that Ja's defense is, is a problem. I know Trey's is too, but Ja definitely, like the numbers are way better when he didn't play defensively. And that's a lot of that shooting luck, but also like he is really bad about uh, on going around screens and um, doesn't do a great job keeping his man in front. Ben Taylor did an awesome video on him, by the way, which I recommend everyone watch because uh, in terms of the players I would most like to watch, uh, Ja. Miranda solidly in the 
top three in the NBA. Without I think a doubt. probably yeah, Curry and Jokic might be my other two there. So yeah, Ja, I just because of the minutes, I needed some way to differentiate between these guys. I couldn't really find much else. And so I went there. Did, uh, did you have to, hard, did you have Harden on your second team? I had him on my third team, actually. Okay. I still think that he hurts their defense a lot. If he puts together another month the way he's played like the last couple of games, although he, they had a just terrible Ooh. loss. I thought you were gonna to say desultory, drop in one of your old favorites. Uh, <laughs> Yeah, yeah, desultory would would have been better. Uh, although they led at one point by like fifteen points, so um, so I, I actually went with Chris Paul and Zach Levine. That's, Chris Paul, that's my third team. <laughs> yeah, so so that's my second team. Those guys have both played a lot. Levine missed a couple of games with COVID, but uh, they're fortunate actually to have some of those postponed. And I think Levine is amazingly maybe better defensively than some of the other guys we're talking about here, other than CP and, and Steph. Like he's, he's been not a quality defender, but he's at least hasn't had just the viral screw-ups that characterized well, some of his and, earlier and seasons. also, Zach Levine, lower lower role in the passing game than some of these other guards, but 62% true shooting on 30 usage is awfully impressive. And there is the demerit for me that the Levine, no DeRozan lineups still aren't great, but he's been phenomenal, Levine has, when he's been on the floor. So yeah, I, and and CP, you know, he's scoring ro- road. We've talked about that a lot. His scoring role is a lot lower, but he has a huge part in assisting and keeping the sons afloat when Devin Booker missed a bunch of time no that that was a, a big point as well they went five and two without Booker and we did talk about how his role didn't change that much and you know Chris doesn't play that many minutes but he still you know he hasn't missed he doesn't miss game you know which right. I think is that games played sometimes is more important than minutes I would say just because it you can still kind of cobble it together for you know a couple more minutes a game but if the guy isn't playing at all that really completely changes things and um, yeah but I you know splitting hairs between Paul Harden and then Donovan Mitchell was also my third team I left jaw off just due to the minutes he yeah, would have been on Mi- there Mitchell was my toughest omission as well so yeah. that, that makes sense yeah and Mitchell pretty high in the impact metric sixth in offensive EPM I just didn't think his traditional statistics were at the same level of Levine Levine is six percent better true shooting and I also th- think that Mitchell shooting 34 percent from three and Levine shooting 42 percent that's just it, it's a different type of thing especially with Levine's ability to, to rise up where you're just like hey we cannot let this guy shoot a three-pointer off the dribble whereas Mitchell yeah you know you don't want to leave him wide open and he's shot better in previous years but it's also not just like hey we got to trap this guy to get the ball out of his hands if he runs a pick and roll up top whereas Levine kind of got to do that uh, where he is so again I I don't know which of those guys is better it's really just too difficult to say and then Harden has been more of a distributor so far this season he's still extremely reliant on getting the line he's shooting less than 50 percent from two which is it's always a little bit of a red flag to me is three-point shooting has not been as good either at 34 percent but he's also the best passer other than cp of and trey young of this group that we're talking about here and it's worth noting that the offensive ecosystem in brooklyn is terrible right like he hasn't had nick claxton a lot of the year the one guy that can actually dunk the ball on this team and they're playing guys like bembry and james johnson like he's got to just create with one shooter on the floor interestingly another of those guys who shows up in the offensive difference versus uh in terms of on off patty mills is right at the top of that too because he's like the only guy on this team who's available who can shoot since joe harris went down yeah that's totally fair so your third team was i'll, I'll go through it second and third team second was john sure. harden third team levine and paul which is your second team 
Got it. Yeah. And a, a few others that we should at least talk about. Devin Booker missed some of the time with the hamstring. He's also 42nd in offensive Raptor and 35th in offensive EPM. So the impact metrics are not there. I am liking his three point shooting, but he hasn't been as accurate as uh, inside the arc. Hasn't been getting the foul line as much either. So just as much as he's on a great team, like the Suns are still an ensemble cast, and there's probably going to be some angst about, hey, how is Chris Paul the only guy in, on an all NBA team when the Suns are the second best team in basketball? And it's because they just have a lot of really good players. At, and on, a really good along coach. that line, the Utah Jazz on mine only have one too, but Mitchell was my toughest mission. So. Yeah, yeah. So, yeah, and that's another, not only ensemble cast, but an ensemble cast that hasn't really missed a, a ton of time either. Yeah. Um, you know, other than Eaton now being out again and, and JaVale. But yeah, like Mike, Mike Connolly's had a nice year overall, but he was, to me, a little bit behind it. I yeah. And I know that some of the, some of the metrics love some of the other guys like i think there's something crazy like fred van vliet is i think yeah van vliet is fourth in, yeah. in he's fourth among guards in epm actually buying gary payton the second um but i don't see i don't see that in fred van vliet i think he's having a very nice year and if we're talking all-stars it's a different conversation but i don't see him as an all-nba player yeah others drew holiday sure has been really good so far he, he's up there in terms of his net rating differential damian lillard still he's coming on lately portland has just been so bad though and he had a really rough month and a half or so to start the year seems like he's better now after he had that treat me missed the time due to the abdominal um you know chris paul or sorry chris paul's on there so why did i say him Lamelo ball rhymes with chris paul also in that next group luca just has missed a bunch of time and hasn't been that good even when he has played he's tied with devin booker at 42nd in offensive raptor and darius garland is also someone who i mm-hmm. at least would put in consideration here but i, I felt like there's a pretty clear line of demarcation the only guy that i considered that i didn't have that i really would have seriously considered that i didn't have in was morant and you know i I think he, he may be heard from on one of them. Okay, what's next here? Let's do defensive player of the year. I don't think we need to, we, we spent a long time on this last awards. It's I think it's some of the same principles. I ended up going with Giannis over Draymond. I think there is a totally reasonable argument for Giannis, Draymond, or Rudy Gobert. The rim protection numbers for Gobert are a little bit weaker so far this year. Some of that I think is, is a little bit of noise. Um, but the reason I went with Giannis, and this might just be something that he benefits from, is that the the Bucks defense, even with Brooke Lopez out, the Bucks defense is great at the things that Giannis helps them with, and that's easier to quantify with him than it is with Draymond. And so I think for some, for some, that made it an easier case. They're great at protecting the rim. They're you know the math problem stuff, the not fouling, defensive rebounds, and so like, and it falls apart whenever Giannis is on the floor. So it's like there, I can point to his defensive impact. Look, look, look at these things. That's there, and Draymond is wonderful, and I have him number two, and I have no problem with anybody having him number one. But I don't know. It just it resonates in a different way with me and I mean when you watch the Bucks, you can see Giannis's impact defensively yeah I went with Draymond number one as I did last time he's been very available as has Giannis over the course of the year but they both deserve credit for that Draymond is number two in defensive EPM 14 in defensive Raptor and he does have an impact on opponent's shot profile they take 4.3 percent fewer shots at the rim when he's on the floor he's gotten better with his defensive field goal percentage at the rim he doesn't contest as many uh, as Gobert does and, and a few fewer than Giannis Giannis actually he has great numbers he's number two in defensive field goal percentage allowed at the rim when he's in the area but he doesn't contest nearly as many shots I think he's in the low 100s there compared to some of the guys who really contest a lot Draymond doesn't contest that many either Draymond is 
of course, the organizer, the communicator of the Warriors defense. Although they obviously have pretty solid personnel around him a lot of times, but not, I wouldn't say overwhelming either. You know, they're, they've slipped a little bit in terms of relative to the league average lately. Part of that's because he missed a couple of games, but they are, he is still holding together an elite defense. Now, you mentioned the same thing when Giannis is on the floor as well for the Bucks, and the Bucks have no even remotely defense, decent defensive big men behind him. Draymond has other guys around him. So I don't put too much into the on-off differential there necessarily because Giannis's backups are so bad and he's got other pretty decent wing defenders around him when he is in the starting lineup but but he you know I I think you could make the argument that if you put Draymond on the Bucks that he wouldn't be able to do what Giannis is doing you know that's a reasonable a reasonable argument but I think within the role in the team that he's on and he's also on what's been the best defense this year I I do have to go with Draymond I think the the overall impact metrics are a little bit kinder to him Giannis is 24th in defensive EPM, 12th in defensive Raptor. Yeah, which is, which is interesting. Did you did you have did you have the same top three? Um, with- um I did. Yeah, I think it's there's clearly Draymond, Gobert, and Giannis. No, I actually had Miles Turner. I think it's less clear that it's only those three guys. They're my okay. Top okay. All right. Well, well, let me. Fi- I'll go through them, and then you can uh, then you can break in a little bit here. Um, Draymond number one, Rudy Gobert is number two. He is number one by a country mile defensive Raptor. He is. 11th in defensive EPM, but there's a lot of guys in there, you know, your Josh Okogis and Hartenstein and Thibels who don't really play that much. So among guys who actually play, he's like fifth. Uh, and then he is just, he's contested 275 shots at the rim. It's incredible. And then you also consider that teams take 7.9% fewer shots at the rim, 7.9% fewer of their shots are at the rim when Rudy Gobert's on the floor. And let's keep in mind too, like his backup is a big ass center who blocks shots his, as his, well, his right? His typical backup. Now there are times yeah. when they when it is not him as we saw on Saturday when it's, it can get a little bit hairy, but generally speaking. No, yeah. that, that's true. But I mean, these guys suck defensively outside yeah, I mean, of him and they're number Rudy, five in defense Rudy Gobert being the most valuable defender in the league like if they change the name of the award like I, I think it would be it, in many ways it'd be hard to argue against him because it's it, I, I brought this up last year where he's bizarro Luka Doncic just because he's a he's a heliocentric defender he is their system like Royce O'Neal is the second best defender on the jazz and he is not even nearly as close in terms of role and value like to what Anyone who's seen our YouTube videos knows that I don't wear formal stuff all the time. So when it's time to dress up rather than dress down, I highly recommend Inochino. They were the official outfitter of my wedding. I got my tux from there. All my groomsmen got their sport jackets from there as well. I felt really good about having them be the outfitter of my wedding because all my groomsmen were going to get stuff that they could continue to wear that fit them perfectly. Because when you go somewhere else, you're not going to get something that's made for you. So why not measure yourself in 10 minutes or visit a showroom rather than feeling like you're wearing somebody else's suit that they tried and failed to tailor for you. And not only does Indochino have the suits that made them famous, but now they've got everything. Blazers, pants, women's wear, outerwear, designed and made for you. Hundreds of high quality fabrics to choose from. European wools, linen, cottons, tons of colors, tons of patterns. You can customize things like the lapel, the vents, the pockets. And you'll get a piece that is personalized for you in fit and style. Level up your game with Indochino. Go to Indochino.com. Use the code CAPSPACE. Use the Capspace. We talk about all the time here on the program. You get 10% off any purchase of 
$399 or more. That's 10% off at Indochino, I-N-D-O-C-H-I-N-O, Indochino.com. And don't forget that capspace code to let them know that you came from us. So I had Gobert second when you consider both that he can test a million shots at the rim. So think about that, right? Teams are taking way fewer shots at the rim when he's on the floor, right? So he's just preventing the shots to begin with. And then if you are going to shoot at the rim, well, he's contested 275 shots. So basically your options are don't shoot at the rim or be contested by Rudy Gobert at the rim. And of course, he's number one in, in the NBA, basically right there with Giannis in terms of the percentage allowed at the rim. But he's contested. Yeah, sorry. He's contested 275 shots compared to Giannis's 145. And also, by the way, he's top five in the NBA in minutes. Sure. Which which I, I don't consider that for defense player of the year. I, I, like it's, to me, it's kind of like all NBA where you're in or you're out. And, and all three of these guys are, are in. The Jazz also haven't been great on the defensive glass this year in a way that hasn't been true in prior years. But they're also playing smaller this year yeah. than they have in prior years and, and I don't put too much of that heat on Rudy Gobert I think he's doing he's doing a very good job overall and the yeah I mean teams are shooting a little bit better overall at the rim this year so last year 60% this year 62.3 that, that yeah, this is just against the Utah against Jazz, the Utah Jazz when the Rudy floor. Gobert is on the floor and I think some of that will be anomalous some of that'll be noise but we'll yeah. we'll we'll see where that number gets but yeah I mean there's something but I'll mention because I'm you have Giannis third we've already talked about him at length the guy who's on the periphery of this conversation is Evan Mobley. Yeah, he, he would have been my number four. And I mentioned last last time how awesome he is contesting shots uh, and, at the rim. And to, to me, the most telling part of that argument is that when Mobley plays without Jared Allen, the overall picture in terms of the shots that opponents take and the, like what the team does well is actually very similar to the Jazz with Colbert. And it's not like either of those teams has a ton of defensive talent in those minutes. You know, we're talking about the, the Mobley-No-Allen minutes. And they're not fouled at all teams aren't making any shots at the rim to the point that if it holds like I might like if that holds over the whole season I might have to put Mobley in the top three because it's like okay at this point it can be a little bit anomalous I think they're like 53% at the rim when Mobley's on the floor without Jared Allen that's which feels impossible but we're dealing with small sample size I want to see where that game's out and part of why I really like Mobley and I think this could eventually be part of the case for him to move above fourth is that he can succeed in more than one role which is something that is unusual of a defensive player that you're you know that he, he's he's still protecting the rim and doing a lot of these things but i would say it's what he's asked to do is different when he's playing with jared allen when he's playing without him playing often with kevin love who is a dramatically more limited defender yeah and mobley doesn't quite have the track record defense is just hard to figure out true in you want to see more and it's particularly because the metrics just don't have as much to work with as well so yeah i, I wouldn't I, I didn't have him as a serious contender but certainly someone worth mentioning miles turner uh really has fallen off i think i had at number three last year and or last month i should say and really has not figured it nearly as much as the the pacers due to some of their injuries and stuff have kind of gone off the rails here coach of the year i've moved closer to your line of thinking in part because the coaches of the two best teams in the league have had some real adversity since the last time we talked and money williams dealt with the absence of deandre ayton and devin booker extremely well they're they've been truly shorthanded and then steve kerr has had to deal with clay of course being out but then andrew Wiggins missed time in the protocols. Draymond Green is currently missing time in the protocols. The the win that they had over Utah on Saturday was impressive for a bunch of different reasons, but one of them was being able to cobble together cohesive theories of the lineup offensively and defensively, missing your second most important player and a, a couple other guys that, that are valuable. Like that was, they defended well. They did, you know, then the, the Jazz, I thought, did a nice job understanding what the Warriors wanted to do and, you know, being able to maximize that talent. Like, so I have Kerr one and Monty Williams two. We can get into, I have a bunch. 
bunch of candidates. Yeah, and Kerr also, that win in Phoenix, missing both Poole and Wiggins was incredible. And this Warriors team has a ton of depth, but Steve Kerr deserves credit for getting putting everyone into roles where they can succeed they other than their starting lineup they really have not had consistent other lineups that they go to using guys like gary payton the second and otto porter and finding a way for nemanja bielitsa to contribute and damian lee juan toscano anderson a a lot of guys who just were not able to be effective getting andre guadala back oh he looks totally rejuvenated now as well and so part of that is because these are players who can play in this system a little bit better andrew wiggins has been much better in golden state as well like steve kerr to me in a way that maybe he wasn't able to do towards the end of the dynasty is actually getting more out of these unheralded guys and bob myers and company deserve a lot of credit there too yeah so i had kerr number one williams number two and then number three there as you mentioned there are a slew of candidates so you want to go through some of those i had mike bootenholzer number one last time because of the job cobbling together a very limited bucks team he has moved into this conversation now i mean the bucks are still doing very well billy donovan getting this bulls team to defend jb bickerstaff has the argument that has happened so much over the years the team that is exceeding expectations by such a ridiculous degree and coaching is a part of that he just got that big extension and you could you could mention i I think chris finch is doing a nice job i don't think he's quite at the same level and i'm sure there i mean i think overall ty lue's doing a good job with defense but the clippers are below that standard partially because of so many guys are out but my number three is taylor jenkins and it feels like this happens this time every year john morant misses some time the grizzlies don't stop anything and they don't stop beating in fact they actually don't stop beating teams and to me one of the most fascinating parts of this for Jenkins is is not the team succeeding with when jaw was out or anything like that it's that the biggest thing that has been holding them back overall so overall this year remember the early part when they were towards the bottom of the league in defense they're 14th now including the glass defensive rating and they have the worst opponent three-point shooting luck in the entire league so the way that i would look at that is you regress that to the mean a little bit and it's like oh you're really cooking with some gas now and I think that the Grizzlies are outperforming their talent level on both ends of the floor. I think that they they have some offensive limitations and being top 10 when your best player has missed some real time, enough time that you didn't put him on your All-NBA teams. That's really impressive. No, it is. And he was firmly in the mix for me. I went with Bickerstaff. That's fine. Because he's just found, found a way to succeed with guys that we didn't think would fit together. I think he deserves some credit for the way that Evan Mobley is playing, the way he's been ahead of expectations. Got a ton out of Ricky Rubio. Sadly, that, that will no longer be the case. Um, but I mean, like the, the, the Cavs are like have a better net rating than the Bulls do. <laughs> and they do not uh and have the same level of, of talent as Chicago. This is not it's not yeah. a situation where one team has been super healthy and yeah. the other team has not. But I don't feel particularly strongly about Bickerstaff over Donovan. Quinn Snyder again. Sure. Oh yeah, we just uh, yeah, assume that the Jazz are gonna have the best net rating in the league with uh only one or maybe two guys who are threats for second or third team all NBA. But you know, it's he's Quinn Snyder's performance just kind of priced in at this point, right? But uh they're still really good. And then I had Jenkins in there. And then Eric Spolstra, 23 and 13 is where the Miami Heat are right yeah, now. Yeah, when you consider who they've had out, that's, inc- that's yeah. really impressive. They, they've been, they just have been rolling right along. They've developed all the all these guys like Max Struess uh, again. It, they, or Gabe Vincent has been giving them quality minutes or even getting something out of Omer Yurtseven. Dwayne Dedman was playing well until he went down. Jimmy Butler, obviously, they've been missing him. They've been missing out of bio. Like the whole month of December was completely fucked for them 
Kyle Lowry missed time as well in the protocols and they're still right there in the east at 23 and 13 and they've played completely differently since Bam and Butler went down but they still have found a way to be effective anybody else you needed to talk about here I guess the the one guy who I would have had fourth after the first one was Wes Unsell Jr and that's fallen off uh, enough that he, he's out sure really I, I think that's totally fair all right who is your number one in rookie of the year I have Mobley number one still I the defensive impact I mean talked about him being in the periphery of defense player of the year conversations you know being on the ballot is is incredibly impressive he is currently second or he's below sec he's third in rookies and raptor but i think that's because it's really underrating his offense like i don't think the the idea that mobley is worse on offense than any of these the other candidates are in either facet of the game just seems wrong to me and but yeah i I agree you know it's it's just tough for a guy like him playing power forward some as well but yeah i i don't get this uh, you know he takes maybe a few too many mid-rangers or whatever but he's he's not like some terrible negative offensive player like i don't buy that and and then scotty barnes at number two he's having a much stronger than i expected campaign and you know overall 55 percent true shooting 36 percent on threes still hope that the volume goes up there eventually but bar and he's a contributor for sure on defense and so barnes barnes to me is a deserving number two i i don't think to to me there isn't a an argument in terms of how they played that barnes has been better than mobley but barnes has been very good that's no denigration there and then the third yeah spot. i mean evan mobley we just were we had a number four in defensive play of the year and he's the best I've, we said this already but he's the best defensive rookie since tim duncan and so that's and it's uh, and scotty it's not barnes like is, scotty yeah. barnes he's a he he can be a two-way player but it's not like he's been so dominant on either end that you're like oh well that's even like that that's the same conversation or anything it's, no no i mean he's been yeah. he's been very good so i i kind of had by default chris duarte in this mix he's fallen off some and also franz wagner Fra- has he's come franz wagner is my number quite three quite a bit yeah he, he's the guy for me and i talked a little bit about him on our last pod how he had that 38 point game against the bucks and it, it's starting to look pretty impressive this again there's nobody who's like incredibly sexy here other apologies to duarte alperin shingun but he's still not even starting so tough tough to have him in there and uh, herb jones as well deserves a lot of credit for what he's been able to do in new orleans and her, her, let's watch by, out by yeah. the way herb jones is fifth in minutes played among all rookies so yeah and and him getting more playing time is tracked well with a, a resurgence in new orleans brendan ingram playing also <laughs> has helped with that yes. yeah and ingram may be someone that we, we might hear from in the end in the all nba conversation for at forward but yeah then uh jalen green is actually playing pretty well since he came back from the hamstring but he's missed a bunch of time and also he's basically the worst player in the nba in the impact metrics but you know he could have he could be on sort of an anthony edwards kind of path by the end of the year he said hey, he's had some big games well speaking of anthony edwards we can move to sophomore of the year so far and i think it's a two-man race between the aforementioned anthony edwards and lamella i wouldn't necessarily say that i think it's clearly ball uh, when you look at the impact metrics like it's not even close i, I think i meant more in terms of that there wasn't really a third than that it was yeah but i agree with you like lamello well, well yeah yeah take us through what lamello is doing this year the impact metrics absolutely love to the point where if if they were speaking in this room they'd probably be like why weren't you talking about it enough in in the all nba conversations Lame 
Lamelo plus five overall in Raptor. Most of that, of course, fueled by his defensive success in EPM. Lamelo is he's fallen off a little bit, but I think he's like top fifteen in offensive EPM. And then is considered a slight positive there. Let's cop pump the brakes on that a little bit. But if you want the, if you're somebody who likes the kind of those individual efficiency stats for LaMelo, not the greatest as an individual score, 55% true shooting, though that's totally reasonable on 27 usage, but he is a huge part of their offense as a passer. And the Hornets offense has been very good when he's been out there. Cleaning the glass net rating for LaMelo, or sorry, not net rating, cleaning the glass offensive rating for LaMelo, 114. That's actually in the same vicinity of some of the guys we talked about for MVP. Yeah, so while I think there's still a legitimate question of who the better prospect is between LaMelo or Edwards, although I do think I did have LaMelo in a higher tier than Edwards, for who's been more valuable this year, there really isn't much of a conversation. Now, second, again, if you look at more of the advanced stats, there are some other guys who have an argument compared to Edwards, but nobody really blows you away in terms of the advanced stats. Uh, the five guys that I looked at were Edwards, Tyrese Maxey, Tyrese Halliburton, Cole Anthony, and Desmond Bain. But all of those have offensive EPMs between 1.4 and 2.5. Anthony has the best of those. All these guys are pretty much offensive players, except for maybe Bain, uh, probably brings the most two-way impact of any of them. So if you want to just go with who in theory has had the biggest impact on his team, and the Magic are just so much better when Anthony is on the floor than off you know, you might go with Cole Anthony I ended up uh putting him third because also I still and I do this for rookie of the year as well look at who I think the best long-term prospect is potentially as a tiebreaker and that no contest obviously between Edwards and Cole Anthony and, and Edwards has scored efficiently I think he's been fine on defense which is an upgrade from where he was before Huge so uh, yeah I, I mean I I I'm not going to sit here and tell you like, oh, it's so obvious to me that Cole Anthony is having a better season than Anthony Edwards or that Desmond Bain is having a better season than Anthony Edwards. Frankly, all of these guys are so far down in the hierarchy of the league that just trying to decide between your 65th best player in the league and the 75th or whatever, it's just, you're really splitting hair. So I think ultimately I went with Edwards who probably still has by far the highest upside of this group. And Tyrese Halliburton has been putting up some impressive stats, especially especially when the team was shorthanded. But the Kings aren't haven't been like really dominant or anything close to it offensively when when Halliburton's been the primary creator. So I'm not at the point yet. For example, 106 offensive rating, Halliburton on Fox off. And their talent is below average to be sure in those minutes. But it's not like he's blowing the blowing the doors off to me sufficiently during this. But if it continues, like I mean now I feel better about Halliburton now than I did a month ago, but that's not enough to push him. Yeah, and he hasn't had any kind of real positive defensive impact like uh, I think some people hoped that that some people includes me <laughs> let's get to six man another circumstance where a player strengthened his six man of the year case when he wasn't a sixth man but I have Jalen Brunson number one I believe you had him in the in that before and he still qualifies but a 112.5 offensive rating when Brunson plays and Luka is off that's really impressive particularly when you consider the Mavericks limited shooting now some of those guys have been doing better um, and that they've been in middle of the road defense so it's not like they're getting feedback loops or anything anything pushing really in that direction. And one of the reasons why the Mavericks have been so efficient when Brunson's played without Luka is that they never turn the ball over. And I think that a big part of that is Jalen Brunson. He also, I believe he's top in EPM of the, the real high-end candidates. And that helps. 
Uh, well, if you're considering Derek Rose a candidate, yeah. he's probably Derek Rose. Yeah, and Rose is to me, he's missed a bunch of time. And yeah. Rose has the same challenge that we went into a little bit earlier, where a lot of the difference between him on and off is defense. And I don't give Derek Rose much of the credit for the Knicks' defensive differential. No, I don't either. I mean, the whole starters bench thing has been so so weird in New York. And yeah, I had Jalen number one. He was actually number three for me last time. Okay. He is barely eligible. And actually, we'll, well, let's see. Did he start? tonight he must have i'm sure in their win over okc oh did he lose did he lose eligibility i did this a couple days ago uh he has now started 17 of 35 games still eligible if he starts next game then he will not it's not right now he's still eligible he's my number one yeah no so so he's number one for me too i mean this stretch has been really impressive like there's no one else there's no one else on this list who could have now granted not as a six man but there's no one else on this list who could have done to me what brunson did in keeping the mavs afloat uh during this crazy number one they've now had 24 players play for them this season and they got completely destroyed by covid luca has been out there's nobody else on the team who could really dribble it's been really impressive what he's been able to do granted you know all these other teams have issues too but still the for them to remain competitive with luca out uh, he's been the reason number two for me is Montrose harrell falling off a little bit but the whiz are still 9.8 points per 100 better with him on the floor most of that is on the offensive end and he's also number harrell he's also number one yeah. in bench vorp value of a replacement player excellent yeah so and he's played a, a fair number of minutes also uh still spectacularly efficient as usual third i went with tyler hero still yeah i mean he, hero had a rough december 53 percent true shooting 29 percent on threes but the overall body of work to me was better than joe ingles the anthony melton few other well you haven't mentioned the other two guys that, to me that i think uh, arguably the two guys who have played the best at least in the, within the context of their role in terms of the impact metrics are gary payton the second mm-hmm. not a serious contender though because he's only averaging 17 minutes a game and you, know, you still have to get up there around 25 minutes a game to me to really be eligible here uh but he's also what like fourth in the whole league in epm and he is plus 4.5 defensive epm that's mostly on defense but he's also probably the best defensive guard in basketball i would say it's he's right right up there certainly i would have him below mikhail bridges and others but it's well yeah i don't consider bridges he's more of a wing that's fair yeah and then kevin love danny mm-hmm. kevin love he's been so big the last like two weeks yeah 64 percent true shooting and granted he's also been able to succeed because he's been in the small role he's only playing 21 minutes a game if you were playing 25 or 26 i would be seriously considering him for this award though plus 4.9 epm impact ventures have always loved kevin love when he's he's going well and he certainly is here and having his best shooting season i think since he's been in cleveland and we'll see if that continues but he's been a really valuable player again just the the minutes has kind of been the problem for him but uh to reiterate here brunson one harold two hero three did we have the exact same top three we did wow that's for, especially for six man because that's one where it's again when you're kind of further down in the hierarchy of the nba it's tough to differentiate between these guys it, it is where do you want to go from here uh a reminder that we don't do most improved player until the end of the year because it's just too hard to actually tell who's improved due to shooting luck and whatnot reese's peanut butter cups are the greatest but let me play devil's advocate here let's see so no that's a good thing Uh, (laughs) that's definitely not a problem Uh, reese's you did it you stumped this charming devil we have two more categories. We'll get to a few more of them tomorrow on Dunked on Prime. Well, so then let's end on a positive note and let's do not executive the year now. <laughs> 
Yeah. Uh, so I do have a, a couple of changes, but the number one spot still belongs to one Rob Polinka. And for the same real reason as before. And yes, Rob Polinka could not have anticipated Anthony Davis, well, be playing as poorly as he had, missing time. Yes, that is something that right. Rob Polinka could have anticipated. Yeah. But a big part of what bothered me about the Lakers was that it seemed like he lost the thread of what made them, you know, the defensive part of it, and that it was all centered around a LeBron AD pick and roll and, and spacing. And while they got a lot of names and they had to lean harder on their minimum guys than I think a lot of us anticipated with everything else. You know, not really valuing what KCP and Harrell and Alex Caruso brought to the team and replacing them with Russell Westbrook, who adds some things to the table, but they weren't things that the Lakers needed as dramatically. Like that is a, 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 a such a huge decision. And, and I brought this up, I, I was talking with Bill Orem when he was, I was consulting with him when he was writing his piece. And I'm like, yeah, you can talk about the amount that Alex Caruso would have cost the Lakers if they had signed him in addition to everything else. But that just bakes in the Russell Westbrook trade. And like, I mean, it's all of these things fit together. And the team that he chose to put around LeBron James, who is, we both picked for fifth in MVP, but the Lakers are 23rd in net rating right now. See, clean the glass version of net rating. It's incredible. Yeah. And particularly given, uh, as we've talked about, how well LeBron is playing but it's certainly an indictment of the roster building that the only way they can get by right now is by playing lebron james at center right with and with with only one as i'm thinking of it correct me if i'm wrong with only one big man out yeah that's right and they're reliant on carmelo and deandre jordan has been predictably terrible dwight howard i think has struggled a little bit since coming back from covid we'll see whether he can contribute he might just be done but that was one that i thought was a reasonable signing and the other thing that they did with westbrook i mean obviously this has been beaten in the ground ad nauseum is that i mean their defense is terrible he's a big part of that as well they they sacrificed so much defensively and just thought that lebron and ad could do it all and that has not been the case and then they also now have no trade flexibility right because they have they're very limited in terms of the mid-sized contracts that they have they basically have to include tht and or kendrick nunn and then you've just got 40 million dollar contracts and above and then also the decision not to hold on to caruso it was wasn't good it wasn't good i mean this like to be getting this type of season from lebron james and to be 23rd in net rating and to be having these games where lebron is averaging 35 points a game or whatever it is over his last 10 and they're like not even winning like come on that's awful who else were nominees for you i have a couple of guys in- well this guy's already been fired <laughs> <laughs> sure but but i do i david griffin is now number three for me Nah, you know what? I, I don't. Th- I, I got to go number two still for David Griffin, just because the long-term implications. Like, yes, they've been a little bit better so far this year, and they got Herb Jones, and they. You start to think like, oh, you know, if they just had Zion, maybe they would have kind of been where they wanted to be this year, around five hundred, or maybe even a little bit above there. But he still fucked them in the long term. And see, I, I have Griffin. I he's he's firmly on my list, but I have him a little more because to me, many of his sins predated this league year. So. Uh, well, I mean, could, do you need me to go through them? You can. Actually, I'll tell you what. Just read the Hollinger piece with Will Guillory and, and they can do it. But letting Ball go when they had him as a restricted free agent. You know, the Devontae Graham trade was okay. They got Valanchunas, but really for what purpose? They gave up draft capital to do that. 
They took on Sadoransky and Temple, who haven't been any good. They're just in a, it's, they had so many assets. They're just in a worse situation. Yeah, I guess Willie Green is looking like a semi-decent coach hire. Yeah. After, of course, they <laughs> struck out on a couple of, but, but the idea of like, oh, let's make this trade to open up a bunch of cap space. They had to pay to dump Bledsoe, who they could have just held on yeah, to. Yeah. I, I, the Bledsoe part of it, I wasn't incorporating. Who, who's actually, and Bledsoe hilariously has actually been better than a lot of the guards that they have still. And then you throw in that they did all this to get Kyle Lowry having no clue about what Kyle Lowry's intentions were. I, I, I they were not even in the top two for Kyle Lowry. No, they but were not. And, and, that and just terrible mistake of planning. And importantly, so there bad. weren't other options. And that was something you and I talked about at the time. It's like we said there were three teams that were that were pursuing Kyle Lowry and there was no one else. And, and they made they made real sacrifices. We'll we'll have to see how it works out. Um somebody I wanted to just mention briefly is Mitch Kupchak because they had an opportunity with, with Cap Space and getting Mason Plumley didn't solve their defensive problems. And then they didn't have a high draft pick, but Book Knight was drafted over Chris Duarte and Moody and Shangun, who and remember they gave up a first for a future first for Kai Jones. So yeah, that one is going to be interesting. Because, I mean, now nobody thought Kai Jones was going to be ready. It's you know too early to judge him, but they also have had so many injuries and absences that the fact that he can't get on the floor at all is being usurped by JT Thor and Nick Richards. That's not great. It's not a great sign. Like you'd like to at least see something from the guy, even if there was an acknowledgement that he's wrong. It's going to take some time. And now having that pick out there in the future really limits some of their options it does. going forward given what the protections are and so if you're going to do that you're to move up for him kai jones you better really be a believer i mean it hasn't really worked out that well but i, I mean i think the, you know the hornets are better this year the kelly Oubre deal was really good he's helped them a lot that's worked out well one other one i wanted to mention and this isn't as much that i think well it, i actually do think he's in this conversation but i wonder where it's going to go from here and that's rafael stone so there are two big tenets of this one is we'll see how the Jalen Green Evan Mobley decision turns out and I supported it at the time but if Mobley ends up being you know definitely the best prospect that was available to them and Jalen Green does not that is a franchise shifting mistake the other one is while it was a nice piece of you could call it asset management to get Daniel Tice where it didn't really cost them anything and and they had the they had the- uh, I mean he's gonna be he, he's like not playing at an NBA level right exactly. now and he's and has, a, and has a multi-year contract and they didn't you know it created the situation where Tice and Wood didn't fit together and so you kind of had to had to make everything work yeah. so it's like it's blocking shangun they it, that basically starting tyson wood together was one of the big reasons yeah well they, they had a lot of reasons but it was one of the reasons why they had a 15 game losing yeah. streak and i don't you know especially not for this year's executive of the year having a getting a mercurial player who then threw a tantrum and drove away from the arena at halftime like no that doesn't factor in at all but the ecosystem in general kind of does and i don't know how to factor the john wall thing in here where it's like you know you're basically having a guy sit away who could help you and also maybe potentially stabilize your locker room but it's not helping john wall's value trade value and anything else so i'm guessing that was a mutual decision and i don't want to blame stone for all of it but i I, again, I think he is a good general manager, but in terms of like where the team is going and like building equity, I really like Shangun. I think that that was a nice decision. But if you remember how I always do executive of the year is it's how well you did for the opportunities that you had. And I think there's a, there's at least a distinct possibility that Stone didn't do that. Yeah. You wouldn't figure it in my top three, but I think it was, is interesting to discuss him. Third, I guess I went with Neil O'Shea still, not that he even did anything in the offseason that I hated, but it obviously 
obviously didn't work out and the Blazers have been awful negative four net rating so far this year um also considered Monte McNair as much as everyone is loving the Davion Mitchell pick at the time I don't know that that's particularly worked out uh, and their defense really isn't that much better even though that they they have him now and he's struggled to score efficiently and he's older so that's a concern Daryl Morey was looking a lot better when the Sixers started the year eight two than he does right now they are basically a 500 basketball team Embiid is starting to play better maybe that will change there doesn't necessarily seem to be an end game with Simmons he he and the organization alienated Simmons to the point where he asked for a trade which I, I think can go on the ledger for this year they I don't know whether they're still paying him I guess they are paying him now but they're basically letting him get a, this idea that he, they're going to make him come back and play was always ridiculous they were never going to succeed with that and it just took Simmons a little while to find this mental health excuse for why he wasn't going to and and again I I don't make light of mental health for a lot of people but I think there's definitely a boy who cried wolf aspect here with Simmons when the mental health thing was like the 97th excuse he came up with but it seems to have worked now and Maury is in this situation where he's got to kind of hold out and you know if Ben Simmons were playing he would probably be helping them maybe more than I thought that he would when you consider what the they are essentially a 500 basketball team when he doesn't play the last couple and the, of years and the defensive limitations which we Simmons yeah. offensive impact is a point of contention but his defensive impact I mean he helps maybe not you know not defensive play of the year helps but yeah get that yeah well and also it's worth noting that he it was tough to replace him when he's just making 30 million dollars sitting sure. on the sidelines they if they could have just used a little bit more money to get just some run-of-the-mill wings they might look a lot different defensively right now uh and then brad stevens didn't do anything that i particularly disagreed with it just hasn't been working out in boston i if they could ever get their team together maybe it will start working out but i felt that way over the last year and a half and i haven't really ever been stress tested on that because they haven't had their team together really for at any point so i i went with Olshay third but those are the others that i considered but let's finish on your positive note here with executive of the year my ballot hasn't changed too much since the last time we did it that's not a huge surprise when you consider the weirdness that has happened and you know for players and and that can you know we can we can do it in the context but for a team it's like thinking about expectations so my number one is still Arturis Karnaschovas because even if I and and I do price in that the DeRozan acquisition has these potential long-term names they gave up a lot to get him he has a significant contract he's also a an all-NBA caliber player right now and I worried about their defense and their defense has been better than I anticipated and it's been more sustainable it's not like they're crazy opponent shooting luck and a lot of the moves that they made on the margins have been parts of their success at different points you know Crusoe has missed time now but he's a part of their defensive success Markin has been you know that that move moving off of him I think that worked out that worked out reasonably well for them they got Derek Jones who's been a part of it Tony Bradley's still a capable backup center and for me the other two in this mix and I think this is pretty close to what we talked about before Tommy Shepard the Westbrook trade continues to look really good for them and they're getting a lot from Harrell and some of these other guys but the Wizards are have taken a real step back and I still think Wes Unseld is a good coach even if he's not firmly in my coach of the year conversation then Riley I didn't I, you know the Lowry acquisition has, has worked out very well for them but the, he didn't do as much on the periphery a lot of the well, 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 well hold on I, I disagree with that they instead of just signing not even particularly warm bodies 
to veterans minimum, they use roster spots on Gabe Vincent and Max Struess sure. and Omar Yurtsevich. Those, those guys instead. were already around, though. I guess is kind of so they they had. Oh sure, but but, but they, they still. I mean, they they made the decision to, that they might be relying on those guys this year, and they've delivered, and they've been better than the flotsam that a team like the Lakers has brought in. For sure. example, so do you do you have do you have Riley higher than third? Then uh, I have him second. Okay. I actually have Bob Myers number one, and I have Arturis number three. Again, this is all I the beholder. Arturis deserves a lot of credit because he did something that a lot of people wouldn't have done, and he got it done, and it's worked so far. Now, where the Bulls will be in in the long term, I'm not sure i still don't see them figuring as far as being a championship contender where i could see that being the case with miami also getting pj tucker was fantastic it was for for pat riley he's been really good for them uh but my number one is bob myers and i mean if you think about it as you really go through this golden state roster now they are really really deep this is one of the deepest teams i can ever remember basically importantly they got guys unlike last year they got guys that really can fit in well around their best players you know like Otto porter jr is i think a spectacular example of this he had to step in to a larger role with draymond out but he's played some like he's done some rim protection stuff this year he can move the ball well he's a confident shooter and porter getting him for the minimum has worked out extremely well for them and yes Porter has been healthier than we expect for the rest of the year, but he has been, he has fit in seamlessly. When Bielitsa has played well, I think he's fit in really well. And also that depth, I mean, we'll talk about Gary Payton, I'm sure, has allowed them to be more judicious with Andre Guadalla, and that's a really good thing. Yeah, uh, another great signing, by the way. Yeah, I mean, Payton, uh, you know, I, I don't know if it was... Steve Kerr, this is what he wanted necessarily, but they overruled the veterans and maybe the coaching staff as well to keep Gary Payton instead of Avery Bradley. That's worked out really well. And we haven't even talked about the draft yet, which is looking still, I think, pretty decent. We liked it at the time. Kaminga has had some flashes, although he's also been kind of frustrating and Moody you know, hasn't really been ready, but they also have a lot of guys in that position. So, I mean, it's good, particularly when Clay Thompson comes back and potentially James Wiseman as well. It's going to be clear. Like, there isn't, there's only one guy on this roster really who hasn't contributed much and that's been moody everyone else has really has could really contributed to winning and myers is definitely considered for me he, he could he could move up into this and part of that is relative to the opportunities that presents up the warriors did extremely well in minimum contracts not only in the talent they did but their fit within the system and they had two high draft picks and it seems like they used them reasonably well kaminga versus wagner in particular will be something we'll have to discuss in time and then moody kispert shangun murphy like yeah we'll, we'll see see how that works out i like jalen johnson too but yeah i mean the opportunity they didn't have a lot of ways to improve and those they use those ways incredibly. yeah another you mentioned Shepard already he was just outside the top three for me and then kobe altman also deserves some credit as well another guy like arturis who went a different direction than i would have thought was a good idea at the time signed that jared allen contract and that's actually looking totally good now the ricky rubio trade for prince unfortunately rubio went down but that was a master stroke shoring up one of their big weaknesses now the marketing trade it's like you know he started he hasn't really actually been that good though it sort of worked out just because they haven't had much else at the three really so you know i don't think this is like genius the mobley pick was obvious you don't really get much credit for me there at number three but he was able to build together a team well enough it's just now can they keep it together they just traded for rondo which might be a decent stopgap although i don't think he uh has too much left they needed somebody who can dribble the basketball uh, 
on their team but uh, yeah i'm very interested to see how the rest of this year plays out for cleveland and whether they make some more moves to really just to even get a secondary ball handler in there or to just even like go for it whether that even would make sense or not or and i kind of hope that they don't but we'll see how that goes all right well this is fun you can of course uh, catch us twice a week on the public pod we'll be doing the twitter spaces at six eastern three pacific this week and then that'll be a public podcast later and anything you want to talk about before we go here you mentioned the nba cast so we're going to be we're going to be doing nuggets mavericks on on monday it's in 8 30 eastern 5 30 pacific tip hopefully the principals will be playing there and yeah i think that's i think we can we can end it there for now Reese's peanut butter cups are the greatest, but let me play devil's advocate here. Let's see. So, no, that's a good thing. Uh, (laughs) That's definitely not a problem. Uh, Reese's, you did it. You stumped this charming devil. 